Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Joel Coleman of the Starkville Daily News, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman Woo! here with you on a. We haven't had a Victory Sunday podcast in quite a while. It feels good. Didn't we do one after the Leach presser, or like after maybe after the? Didn't we do? I, I want to say we did one after the Leach presser because we said he won the press conference. Didn't we do one like? I think oh, yeah, we, we we called it that because. But we haven't had an action. Yeah, I, I just didn't feel Sunday. like doing any more work that day. Yeah. But this is a real live Victory Sunday podcast. So glad to be back doing those with you here on Supertalk.fm and Supertalk Mississippi, wherever you're getting podcasts. We appreciate you guys tuning in, be it wherever it is. And of course, we appreciate all our listeners, our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. Number one on that list. Want to thank our sponsors? <laughs> Sorry, sorry, I, had a, I got a breaking character. I had to read a reply to a tweet there. Okay, I'm Maybe. just glad that we didn't have any more terrible marketing ideas. <laughs> today, 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 Joel was discussing having, you know, why don't we give them ice cream cones and let women wear them on their chests? No, I'm just, no, I'm making stuff up. Uh, but Churn and Spoon ice cream, Strange Brew Coffee House. I'll, I'll never live that down, will No, I? it's, it's, you know... All right, we're going to have to go a little off topic here. Uh, B&B show, there, there's just some lore, right? There's yeah. there's things that happened that were just funny, and none of them were planned. And that's, just, that's some thunder and lightning lore now. It's up there with urination simulation. and and uh, Which we had on Sunday. If the Chiefs lose, you're going to know why. <laughs> I bet Matt Wyatt's eyeballs popped out of his head. Because he's a big Chiefs fan. I don't know oh, if you yeah. know that or not. Yeah. And uh, I bet he was just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so, anyway, Stranger Coffee House and Churned Spoon Ice Cream. Uh, it's getting cold out there, so maybe go get you a hot drink from a Strange Brew. Of course, some of their world-famous hot chocolate. And it is world-famous. Some of the best you'll ever have. And, uh, of course, Churned Spoon Ice Cream. If you, if, you, if you can brave the cold, get you some ice cream. Get a milk. You know, my, you know, everybody loves the Albino Squirrel, right? That's mm. their favorite drink at Strange Brew. Good stuff. But they have a milkshake. Over at uh, Churn and Spoon, the Albino Squirrel Milkshake, and that's my favorite. Chocolate, caramel, delicious. Shake it forward. Sound a little better? Shake it forward is much better. <laughs> that's a hell of a lot better. Go with that. Uh, anyhow, I also want to thank uh, straight, I'm sorry, our other sponsor, College Corner. Go to collegecornerstore.com. Somebody uh, messaged us or tweeted at us and said they got their uh, discount by mis- mentioning the podcast there, 25% off. I thought that was only through uh, a, a week, but if it's still happening, guys, go check it out. And you can get 25% off your order when you mention the Thunder and Lightning podcast. At either of their two Jackson locations. It there. can't hurt to say you were sent by Thunder and Lightning. It now, is. they may look at you stupid, but it can't hurt. Yeah. Best so, case scenario, you end up with 25% off. Yeah. Ridgeland over by Fleet Feet. Flowwood over by the half shell, or just shop online at collegecornerstore.com and you get check out their big, huge, spectacular selection of MSU merchandise. The best. This weekend, next weekend, 
the weekend after that. That's first weekend of baseball. You need an MSU hoodie. I guarantee to you. You're already at like three, and we're not even through the I'm promos rolling. yet. I'm rolling today. Man. It's going to be cold opening weekend. It just always is. Might be nice weather, but it's going to be cold. Get you a new hoodie. Get that M over S hoodie and come to the to, to Noble and say, when people ask you where you got it, you can say, I didn't spend any time in Starkville doing that. I came straight to Do Noble because I got it at College Corner. We got a big show today. We got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk some women's basketball on the show today. Somebody tweeted us asking if we want to talk about women's basketball. Buddy, I'm going to talk about it today because there's a huge matchup Monday night uh, for the ladies. We got some football coaching search updates. A lot of rumor has it. We'll get to that. But we have to start with Mississippi State men's basketball. Is it frustrating? Is it a little annoying that why why can't they play like that? You know, yeah, they talk about the, what's the joke? Like, why don't they make the whole plane out of the black box? <laughs> why don't you play the bas- all the basketball like that every night? If they played like that every night, they'd be number one in the nation. Well, if it was that easy, they would play like that every night. Um, they made it look easy. They they have. This was a heck of a week. And I, I know I, I mentioned it to you on Press Row. I know you asked Ben Howland about it in the post game. Was this the best two-game stretch of the Ben Howland era? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally I, ripped I, you off there. Yeah, it's, it's quite okay. Don't, don't, don't mind that at all. Um, I mean, I, I haven't gone back to look, but I can't, I can't actively think of any two games in a row, particularly in league play, back-to-back like they just had. Well, shoot, in league play, they haven't had two 25-plus point victories in a row in 73 years. Usually it's me that gets those arcane statistics. Look at you digging one up. Well, that was actually credit to Emma Warren mm-hmm. of the media relations uh, student staff that, that did that digging. Mm-hmm. Um, but kudos to her for finding that, but... That is a heck of a stat. State hadn't done what they just did this past week in 70, over 73 years. Yeah. Uh, it was 1946 the last time it transpired. So, um, I mean, a week ago, you and I thought that that tournament door was closing. And now, man, it's just wide open again. And, and now, not only do you think they can make the tournament, you're like, shoot, they can beat anybody the rest of the, stre- the, 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 rest of the season if they play like that. One fourteen twenty, podcast titled "Mississippi State Basketball Has Big Problems." <laughs> well, I think what we've learned here six is, days later. Yeah, don't ever listen to us. Um, Ninety-one fifty-nine is the final score. Here's the stat that got me, and that's State shot a very good sixty, what sixty-one percent for the game. I believe was the total. Something like but that. But inside the three-point line, thirty-one of forty. That is seventy-seven point five percent. That is a formula to win basically every game you play. That's the kind of, if you do can do that consistently, the only way you're going to lose is if the other team has some ridiculous three-point shooting night, a night where they hit 11, 12, 13 three-pointers. Because that you're getting 62 points of high-percentage shots. You know, State dominated in the paint. Woodard and, and Perry... Perry is an absolute monster. I can't help but think with Perry, the way he played, and the way you, you saw the game, there were a couple times where he gave somebody a nod or a wink or something. He knew the scouts were watching that game because they wanted to see Anthony Edwards, who you know had 19 points but on 16 shots. Very much a volume scoring night for him. Um, he knew he was being watched, and he delivered. Yep. And so did Woodard as well. And, you know, then you get Tyson Carter, who is shaking off the slump. There you go. It, State. You said it. State just had. So did Stephen Augustinelli. Hey, hey. Don't give that guy any credit. Uh, it goes straight to his head. 
Just like Twinkies go to, you know, not, never mind. Continue. <laughs> Those two games, who kind of came out of his funk and State looked as good as they have all season? Tyson Carter. Yeah. Uh, whenever he's putting up 15 to 20 points as he did this past week, I mean, you can not take it to the bank. State's probably winning that game. <laughs> Uh, because like like we've said over and over again, Perry's going to get his. Woodard's usually going to get his. They're pretty pretty doggone reliable. If Tyson is adding in his fifteen to twenty two, it's impossible. Good luck beating them. Almost impossible to beat them at that point. What, what, I had the stats here from yesterday's uh, game: Carter and the three losses. Uh, you know what was that? Uh, Auburn, Alabama, LSU. Carter was a combined six of thirty three. Mm-hmm. The last two games, he's 12 of 23. So basically, he's over 50%. As opposed to he was 6 of 30. is That's about 18%, if I'm doing my math right. I think that's right. I mean, that's the difference. You know, Perry Perry's had four of his last five games. He's been over 20 points. Woodard has been pretty consistent all year. The difference is Tyson Carter. Mm-hmm. And 6 of 11 shooting last night, 18 points, four three-pointers. And I believe... In these last two games, I don't have the number in front of me, but he had seven assists on uh, Tuesday night. Weatherspoon had eight assists last night. State so only turned the ball over ten times. They only forced ten turnovers as well. It was a relatively clean game. Yeah. But the difference was shot making. State made shots. Georgia did not. State's defense was good. Georgia missed some 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 easy attempts, but State contested most everything that the bull, the other Bulldogs wanted to throw at them. They look like a completely different team. And it's this to go back to what you sort of mentioned. We said, you know, are we overreacting because if that shot at LSU doesn't go in? Well, think about right now the the effect of that shot. Mm-hmm. If that shot doesn't go in, State's three and two and everybody's okay, they're headed straight to the tournament. Instead they're two and three and it's like, well, they need to win this next one. It's crazy how one little thing can happen like that, but it, it does matter. But last night, the team we saw last night could play anybody in the country. And it, it, at the very least, be in the game in the final minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it starts again. Ben Howland says this all the time. It starts defensively. State played so well defensively. I think that's big, too. Um, it, it We talk so much about Tyson Carter coming off the bench now. DJ Stewart's been great. I mean, he's not putting up pump. You know, not putting up a lot, of points. a lot of points. But defensively, he's Defensively, really he's been fine. Uh, in fact, State's probably better defensively with him out there. And, uh, and then you throw Tyson in, and he's the last couple of games been that instant offense that Ben Howland talks about. Thing is, though, it's to me, it is a little bit. Here's kind of the doom and gloom part of the show, I guess. But it's a little bit fickle, so to speak, because can you count on Tyson to give you that fifteen twenty every night? Yeah. And well, I don't think you have to count on fifteen to twenty if you can just count on twelve. True. I mean, True. If you can just if you know you're going to get 20 from Perry because in the, in the three losses he never hit double yeah. digits did he and you get 12 you know 12 to 15 each from Woodard and and uh, and uh, Weatherspoon then if you just get you know 12 points out of Carter it depends on his shooting obviously if you're getting 12 points on you know three of 12 shooting that's no good but if you're getting you know 12 points on four of you know you know three of six shooting couple of three balls or whatever I can't do I'm not doing the math you, you, I know it's wrong but just just <laughs> you see what I'm trying to say on 50% yeah. shooting then it then it's you know it's 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 fine so yeah he doesn't have to do too much and then a do you know what six rebounds and four blocks last night I think that's the number I know it's the four blocks is right um 
I mean, you're not getting much out of your bench. Molinar gave you a couple buckets. You know, obviously, Carter is part of the bench, but it's, it's difficult to separate Carter from the starting lineup. You're not getting anything from Fizel or anything like that. State basically played seven guys last night. They played their starting five plus Carter and, and Molinar. So, I mean, they're getting nothing, nothing from front court off the bench. Didn't, you, didn't Fizel make a shot? It was his first one since the Radford game. Didn't Did he make a shot last night? Or was that his first shot that he took since the Radford game? Didn't we talk about that? I don't know if he took. Time? I don't even know that he took a shot last night. I know that he has not scored since the Radford game. Okay, uh, he has not. Yeah, has not made a shot. So, and I don't know how far they can go down the road like that. They've at some point, Aduro or Fizel has got to give them. There's going to come a game where Reggie or Robert get into foul trouble, and you're going to have to put those guys in, and they are going to have to give you something down low. But at the end of the day, the, the biggest takeaway I had from this game is this. It's no coincidence that that offense last night started with Reggie Perry on the low block, getting buckets down low, and then everything else opened up. That's not a coincidence, and that's how State has to play. Reggie Perry, although he, you know, he, hit, he hit some mid-range shots last night. His jump, his jump shot looked great. But he has got to start with his back to the basket and then figure it out. There. He had six assists out of the post, too. So the offense needs to flow that way, and if it does... State can be state can continue to be successful. And they're about to play a, a guard heavy team. Yeah, does that benefit you? I think so. To have your offense, you know, going through the low posts and out there with a bunch of little guys. <laughs> is, yeah, is that is, well? That's what that's what got Georgia. They would they would switch. Yeah, and Perry would find a mismatch and well, give me the ball, and he's going up against somebody who's six foot three and one hundred eighty pounds, and he's six nine and two forty, and it's just no contest. So yeah, same thing with Arkansas. State's, phys- State's physicality is going to cause problems for just about everybody they play. Not a lot of guys are going to have a front court as big and strong as Woodard, Perry, and Adu. The, the The key is going to be keeping them out of foul trouble because, like I said, I don't think you can feel confident if if Reggie Perry gets two quick fouls and he's out in the, the at the you know the second media timeout and you got to go to Fizell there. I don't feel at that point if I'm State, I would almost go small. I would go. I would rather have Weatherspoon, Stewart, and Carter with Woodard at the four and a do at the five, then I would have rather have Fizel out there. Because yeah. he's just it's just not getting anything out yeah. of him. So. The other common denominator to the two wins this past week where you predicted them to lose both games. Well, I got some bad news about uh, the next one. <laughs> I think they're gonna win, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I mean Arkansas is a good team though. Yeah, I won't be totally really I won't be totally surprised. All right, speaking of good teams, two of the top teams in the country are gonna go at it uh, tonight over in Columbia, South Carolina. Number Polls aren't out, but I would assume not a whole lot of change. Number one, South Carolina. Number 10, Mississippi State. And what has become the defining rivalry uh, of women's basketball in the SEC. Uh, two teams. A rivalry built sort of on respect. Some mutual respect. You know, There's definitely some, 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 some smack talk here and there. But for the most part, Schaefer and Staley have a, a good relationship. They, you know, they, they respect one another. Two teams that have you know, basically dominated non-conference play. Uh, especially South Carolina, who's undefeated. Um, both teams are, you know, statistically very similar. Both shoot the ball very well. South Carolina's at 46%. State's at 47%. They're both outscoring their opponents by about 20-plus a game. State's at 82-57. South Carolina is at uh, 80, uh, where is it? I just had it a second ago. 83-57. So, I mean, they're ba- they're just basically right out. I'm sorry, that's not correct at all. Where did it go? I, was gonna, I looked at State twice. Yeah, 83-56. So, it's a huge difference. Huge difference there. So I mean, yeah, th- these are good teams. Uh, they're both young, you know. They're, they're both sort of rebuilding from a, a you know a dominant stretch. Um, for Carolina, Aaliyah Boston is their leader, leading scorer. 
Uh, she's averaging 13 points a game. They have uh, what four guy four girls in double figures, all averaging between 12, all basically between 12 and 13 points a game. But that, that's a lot of points. Um, they shoot the ball well. They shoot the three ball really, really well. 36 percent from back there, out rebounding their opponents uh, by about 14 rebounds a game. I mean, they are a big physical team, and that arena is a, as you know, for, especially for women's basketball, a, as it's, as combustible an atmosphere as you're going to find. This is a huge test for Mississippi State. Their biggest test of the year. Even going on the West Coast when they played uh, at Stanford. I mean, they played in that tournament. You know, wasn't this kind of environment or anything like that. This is a huge game for Mississippi State. Uh, and I'm sorry, South Carolina does have a loss this year. I, I don't know who to. Who do they lose to? Uh, if only we had a device. I have it right here. They, oh, they lost to Indiana. Who's ranked? Not a terrible team. Um. And of course, they've started off conference play. I mean, look at these scores. They're they're four zero in the conference. Ninety nine seventy two, ninety three seventy eight, ninety one eighty two, ninety three fifty seven. And they're they're getting ninety points a game in conference play. And Vic Schaefer said he didn't think they could win an eighty four eighty five kind of game. So he's going to try to find a way to slow it down. I mean, which it's sort of in Schaefer we trust. But can you slow a team like this down? They 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 look they look unstoppable in the early going. Of, they look like the favorite to win the national title. I mean, if you do slow them down, then all of a sudden you start feeling differently. I don't know about differently because everybody thinks the Mississippi State's a good team. If they do slow them down, you start, I guess, raising that ceiling as to where you think this Mississippi State team can go this year, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you probably already think that they have sweet 16 potential. I mean, they're ranked number 10 in the country. But if you go to, to South Carolina and just shut them down or something yeah. – I mean, it's not unreasonable to start getting those Final Four hopes back a little bit, that yeah. kind of thing. Uh, I, I, you're right; it's a huge test um, to kind of see if if State has has lost a step this year, kind yeah. of thing. I, I just think it's a good measuring stick. You see this team a lot more than I do. Right? Do you feel like at this juncture of the year that they have that they are in a different spot, that they are growing, and that they have gotten a little further along than? They're growing. Than they were earlier in the year. They're they're growing. They're definitely better than they were early in the year. They're starting to figure some things out as far as their roles. What they haven't had is, is like a true alpha dog emerge, a a McCowan or a Vivians that you can just rely on. Dan Barry is is reliable, but you know she's not as consistent maybe as you'd like her to be. Rakia Jackson has her moments, but she's just a freshman and she's going to have some off games. Jessica Carter's probably been the most consistent player, averaging 13. She's averaging a double-double. But the problem with that, her, is that if she gets in any kind of foul trouble, you're sort of screwed. You don't have any depth. Like, same sort of, sort of same situation as the men. You know, uh, you know Maya Morris and, and, and Promise Taylor are only averaging about 13 minutes, 14 minutes a game total combined between the two of them. State does not have a lot of confidence in, in those two off the bench right now. Now, Morris had a good game a couple weeks ago against Florida, but... For the most part, she's just you know she's been ineffective. And Promise Taylor has just you know those injuries really set her back. She she just started practicing when the, about the time the season started. So if Jessica Carter gets in any kind of foul trouble, it's going to be a big problem with, with how good South Carolina is in the post. Uh, not don't want to go too far down the road as far as a, pr- a prediction and all that, but I, I agree with what you said that if State can find a way to win this game, it, it completely changes everything. But and I know Vic Schaefer is the absolute last guy that would want to go moral victory route, but if State comes out of this game and loses by 10 or less, they got to feel really good about where they are because 
you know, this is this is a much better South Carolina team than they went to see last year, and they are not as good as they were. State is not as good as they were a year ago. So, you know, it sort of shifted back. Yeah. You know, for a couple of years, South Carolina was the top team. Then Mississippi State was the top team. Now South Carolina's sort of back on top. These next couple of years with all these talented young players, I mean, you look at State next year and they lose one girl. It, it, this rivalry is not going anywhere, for sure. And my guess is when we get to the SEC tournament, this is the Sunday matchup that we're going to see. And, you know, South Carolina will probably be a one seed. Right now, State is probably a three seed in the NCAA tournament, but they're going to be a dangerous three seed that nobody's going to want to play. So, a lot to work with here. Uh, a lot, lot to, to, to watch when, in this game. If State can get, I mean, the, the key for victory for State is getting uh, somebody you don't expect to play well, be it Andres, but as a hunter. Chloe Bibby, not that she hasn't played well this year, but could she step up and have a, a, a big game, 17, 18 points? Got to wonder with Bibby, by the way, is there something mental here with this is the team where she got injured last year? You know, Not that they injured her. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that at all, but that's got to be in the back of her mind, right, where she's like, I want to go out and have a big game because this is where my season was lost last season. I think that might it could play on her, on her mind. Or can one of these freshmen, other than you know, even other than Jackson, Matharu, Mingo Young, one of those girls come out and have a big game? If if they can, State can, can go punch for punch. But if Carter gets into foul trouble, it's going to be a, a long night for State in South Carolina. Uh, we'll recap this game on tomorrow's uh, Thunder and or Tuesday's, I guess I should say, uh, Thunder and Lightning. Should be a, a good game. Six o'clock tip uh, over there in Columbia. All right, let's fire up the rumor mill. Let's talk some uh, some coaching search stuff. Lot going on. A lot is sort of to steal from our friends over at Six Packs Peak. It's officially unofficial. Yeah, nothing has been released by Mississippi State outside of Dave Emmerich and Tyson Brown. Right. Some, That's some, of the, some of the off the field kind of staff. Not, yeah. It's not the you know strength and conditioning is what it is. And Brittany Thackeray, who is the director of player personnel, who held that position before? Was that Jay Perry? Mm, no. Uh, was he director of football ops? What was I can't he? remember what Jay's title is, but that was not his title. Okay. Um, I actually looked this. I think it was. Uh, I think his name was Matt. Um, okay. You can if, if you right. if you're looking. Right. It up, you'll Jay get Perry point. is director of player development. There you go. So that's different. Okay. So some off the field or or you know behind the scenes kind of stuff happening. <clears throat> Excuse me. But then none of the other stuff is official. That said. At the game last night, Steve Spurrier <laughs> Jr. was there. We're in be- maroon and white. I believe Eric Malay. Is it Malay? Melly? I don't know. I don't, I don't ever, but the well, running backs coach. The running backs coach. He was there last night. Uh, Mason Miller, offensive line coach, has made his uh, Twitter profile official. Um, has Dave Nickel been named officially? Or is it, or not officially, but is he... Have we seen or heard from him? Uh, I don't think we have seen or heard, but the that's the... I mean... I'm trying to see here. He, I mean, he's already changed his Twitter profile to Mississippi State. So that's, I, that's why I can't find his. Uh, it's at Coach Dave Nickel. Okay. N i c h o l. Yeah, yeah. It's it's Nickel, not Nichols. Yes. So, so I mean, those guys. Yeah, it looks like everything's sort of done there. Yeah. Matt, it, Matt Brock, special teams guy. Special teams coach. It's that, again, already changed to Mississippi State. And it says um, Nickel. It also says inside receiver, so you know. Which way he's going there? Yeah. So he's nickel. He's going to be the uh, the inside. Steve Spurrier Jr. handles the outside receivers. Which, by the way, if you've not if you've not seen Steve Spurrier Jr. yet, buddy, that is like going in a time machine. He looks exactly like his dad did thirty years ago. It's insane how I look like my dad, but that guy is the spitting image. It's uncanny. Um, and then we have the defensive side of the ball. 
where we don't all we know for sure, and we don't, I guess we technically don't know for sure, but Tony Hughes is there, and we assume he's going to coach on the defensive side of the ball. You know, there is no tight ends coach anymore at Mississippi State. I think he's going to safeties. Matt Wilson was who I was looking for a while ago, director of player personnel. Okay, so I knew Matt, but I couldn't remember his last name. Right. So the name, obviously, that's, that's come out, and it was first reported by our good friend Steve Robertson, uh, is Brian Newberry, defensive coordinator a season ago at Navy. Uh, oversaw a defense that went from 89th to 13th in one year in total defense. He looks like Chicago Cubs manager David Ross. He a looks bit. a lot like David Ross. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. Um, my biggest question about him would be this. When you think about the offenses there, quite a difference. Navy, a ball control, run it, run it, run it offense. Defense is not going to be on the field as much because the, the offense is looking to maintain time of possession. The absolute opposite here in Starkville. Does that any flag of concern for you that you know what he likes to do defensively might be changed because of what the offense is going to do here versus what it did at Navy? Yep. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, we were talking about this, I think, on air a week or so ago. Um, I was talking with a couple of guys that kind of do this evaluating stuff for a living and that that kind of deal. But And they were saying about how some defensive coordinators are really good when given this many plays a game or this many plays a game. I mean, when you consider Mike Leach is running the air raid and how much the defense could potentially be on the field for Mississippi State, I mean, you're bumping up the number of plays that you're going to have to call as a defensive coordinator on the field. And like you just said, he ain't used to that at Air Force. I don't know what Kennesaw State did. Uh, not Air Force, Navy, excuse me. Yeah. Um, I don't know what Kennesaw State did before that, but I don't know that Kennesaw State ran the air raid mm-hmm. and, and he was out there all the time. So, yeah, it is a concern. I'm not saying he can't come here and be great because he's been pretty darn good, you know, with the play calls that he has during games the last four or five years, whatever. Um, the question is now, can you do that when you're – when you're in charge of even a greater share of the the snaps, like your unit is in charge of uh, of more, because I mean, look, the more opportunities your defense is out there, is the greater opportunity you're going to get burned or something. I yeah. mean, that's just numbers. No just, question about what that. what it yeah. is. So, yeah, but look, anybody that hasn't been a defensive coordinator with this scheme or with a fast paced style would be an issue. It's not. It's not. I'm concerned about Newberry. It's I'm concerned about any defensive coordinator that's coming in and is going to have to call a lot more plays than they've had to call before. So is it a concern? Yeah. But that said, he's a dude with a track record, and uh, he's been really good. Um, You saw the the magic he worked with Navy in turning them around this past year. I think they were like 3-10 and the year before and then 11-2 and this year. Right. Uh, I mean, and most of that had to do with the job he did on the defensive side of the ball. I think they were 16th ranked in the country in total defense. Um, so, yeah, you want to get – you're going to have to roll the dice a little bit with somebody uh, unless it's just somebody that Leach brings in that's been working with him before. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to have to roll the dice with somebody. You want to roll it with somebody that's been proven with whatever style they've been running. And Newberry's been, been pretty proven. So – yeah, is it a concern? Yes, but I mean, it sounds like a kind of guy that you would wouldn't mind taking that that gamble with. Yeah, um, and then the other names that have been mentioned have been Washington State guys: uh, Jeff Phelps, Darcel McBath, the coach, defensive line and cornerbacks, respectively. What that means is that unless uh, if well, I guess regardless of this, if uh, 
Newberry coaches linebackers, that would be the staff. But if he just wants to coordinate the defense, there could be another name out there. It could be a linebackers coach. Is there anything you're hearing about that one way or the other? Well, I mean, no. I mean, Phelps and McBath, we, we've all kind of heard at this point probably that those guys are probably coming. Uh, this is some real hardcore journalism here again, but we're going back to the Twitter machine. Um, Jeffrey Phelps has had that he was the Washington State D-line coach. Mm-hmm. Now it just says D-line coach. Okay. It doesn't say Mississippi State, it doesn't say but Mississippi it no State. longer says Washington State. So I, you know, I don't know what that means. That could just mean that the the Hawaii coach got there and became the head coach at Washington State and didn't want to keep him, and he's just unemployed. Or it could mean that he's in the process of pretty soon going to put MSU in front of D line. I don't know, but that is a name to look at. And like you said, Darcel McBath's another name to look at. Yeah, you'd have to think that. I don't know, though. I mean, it, it wouldn't be the first time this happened, but shouldn't Newberry get the chance to bring a guy or two of his you own? You think, yeah. I mean, I don't know who he would bring from at that linebacker. And again, we don't know 100% on Newberry. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that I want to say that they had a uh, – the, the special teams guy, Brock, he coached linebackers as well. He did. He coached outside linebackers, and then they had an inside linebackers coach who I don't believe is making the trip. Um, so would State just hire a linebackers coach or, or you know – would they want to do it? Well, we just sort of mentioned uh, Newberry, defensive coordinator, and say inside linebackers, and then have an outside linebackers coach. But State has an extra slot to work with here because there's no offensive coordinator. That's Mike Leach. There's no quarterbacks coach. That's Mike Leach. So Leach is sort of, this is sort of good planning by Mississippi State. When they talk about having that $4.7 million pool, not only are they you know uh, upping the money, but because Leach is sort of taking a couple of p- positions for himself, it allows you a lot more flexibility. Mm-hmm. That's why you have two receivers coaches, and there's no tight ends coach. And they, you can just do what you sort of want to do here, and that makes a lot of sense. And there's been some concern uh, from uh, from people like, oh, he's just all, it looks like all he's doing is getting his staff raises. Folks, when you are a two-time national coach of the year, and you are a winner, and you're getting plucked from a Power 5 school, this is what happens. Yeah. You're just not used to this. Mississippi State fans aren't used to this because they've never had it before. But, I mean, even Mullen brought his own guys. Yeah. I mean, this I, is how it works, guys. This this guy has been with these people and he trusts them and they are part of his winning formula. They're coming. Well, quite frankly, if somebody ever hired me to, to run their podcasting empire and. Why would said, they hire you over me? Well, I, just play with me here for a second. Okay. And, and say that, you know, you can hire your own co host. Who's the first guy I'm calling? Mm-hmm. You. <laughs> I, I mean, so. you you go with you go with the guys that you're familiar with and you know can do the job. Um, so I, I don't know why anybody would have any problem with a guy that wins as much as Mike Leach does bringing the guys he's comfortable with. Yeah. I don't know what you would. I think the concern there is the recruiting angle, right? Mm-hmm. You're just bringing a bunch of Washington State guys down to the South, and can they recruit? Don't you feel like that's kind of the issue here? Yes. More than anything? It is, but I mean, wasn't that the issue with Joe Moorhead? And he put together a solid recruit. Exactly. I, 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 Moorhead said something once, and I believe this. You know, you say what you want about Joe Moorhead. But recruiting is recruiting. You know, it's about building relationships. And if you can build relationships with parents and families in the North or in the West or in the, anywhere, you can do it in the South as well. You know, at the end of the day, the kids all want the same thing. They want to play for a good school a good program that has good facilities and has a, gives them the opportunity to go to the next level. The parents just want to know that their kids are going to be taken care of, and they're going to have that opportunity as well. And if you can give them that, it doesn't really matter who you are or what school you represent. So, you know, these guys, aren't they didn't just pick them up off the turnip truck. I mean, one guy's name is Steve Spurrier Jr. My guess is he knows a thing or two 
about how to recruit in the South. You know, the, the, the Darcel McBath. He, he got somebody he can call if he does. Yeah. What the hell you want, son? Uh, <laughs> you know, Darcel McBath played five years in the NFL. My guess is he can talk to kids about, you know, how to get to the next level. So, and then, of course, at the end of the day, Tony Hughes is on this staff as well. So, not a concern for me. One last uh, bit of rumor has it, and always enjoyable, you know, a lot of state fans freaking out after last year with Tommy Stevens, but uh, looks like state might dip back into the, the quarterback transfer portal as well. Again, our friend Steve Robertson reporting that uh, looks like Stanford grad transfer KJ Costello might be headed to Starkville for an official visit. I here's the, what I say to this is that it offers you an opportunity to stabilize things. You could redshirt Schrader. I think Keaton's going to go. I mean, that's just going to happen. I don't know about Maiden or not. But at the very least, you would come out of next season with Schrader as a redshirt sophomore, Rodgers as a redshirt freshman, and then you can sign another guy and go from there. So if this happens, this is a guy who, you know, he got hurt this past season, uh, but he's a career 63% passer. Uh, his touchdown interception is basically two and a half to one. Uh, obviously, Stanford did not run an air raid style of offense, very much a pro style offense, but. He's a wanted man. A lot of schools are after him, especially you know with Derek King looking like he's headed to Miami. I think, I think that's still up in the air a little bit, but it looks like that's going to happen. LSU is looking for a quarterback. A lot, a lot of schools looking for quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, supposedly he's he's interested. I, I, as if you're a quarterback and you got a chance to play for Mike Leach, that's, I, I, what, that's what I was going to say. Here's where State really has an edge in this this sort of deal. They have Mike Leach and nobody else. You have does. Mike Leach and yeah. nobody else really. Who, does. who, as a quarterback, wouldn't want to come to a system where you know you're going to throw the football 50 times? A game and just have at it, you know that that that's very attractive, and I would have to think it's it's very attractive here for for young Mister Costello. Yeah, I mean, you think about LSU, which would probably be a very attractive situation, right? Defending national champions, but do you really know what you're getting into? Joe Brady is gone now, um, so what kind of you know you don't know anything. Whereas Mike Leach, you, you know what you're getting with him, so that's going to be something to monitor. Uh, when we talk about recruiting, it looks like State Mike Leach is expecting some attrition. This spring, there's going to be some names that that leave. They just are, you know, new coach, new system, new everything, and you got some guys who, you know, at the end of the day, aren't going to fit with what Mike Leach wants to do. I, I mean, you look at the tight end position. What are those? Are those guys can't make the switch to a receiver. They're not going to be on the team anymore. It's just that's just how it is. It's not. It wouldn't be fair to keep them. And it's not. You know, they they should just go. Now, I'm not saying that you know they're not good people, but. Football-wise, it doesn't make sense for them to be at Mississippi State. I know one of them. I don't know his personal goals, but I think his uh, career could be playing in left yeah, field if anyway. I'm, I, Brad Cumbus is probably very heavily considering the move to full-time baseball, if I had to guess. problem there is football probably pays for his school. Yeah, but, I mean, you, you figured that out. You, you get that figured out. Anyway, I um, forgot what I was going to say. But anyway, hearing that, you know, Leach is, you know, we were talking about State maybe signing two or three more guys, maybe four. Now he might want to sign seven or eight more guys. And a few more offensive linemen, which we have some news about as well. Um, and then on top of that, I mean, he's got to get a couple of receivers. You're looking at a grad transfer quarterback, maybe some other places. There's going to be some new faces between today and kickoff. Yep. And I don't just mean the class of 2020. I mean some – I guess they'll technically be class of 2020, but they're going to be – some. the transfer portal is going to be in effect here in Starkville, I would imagine, uh, this year. And, of course, it's already – been in effect as the prodigal son has returned. Kill the fatted calf. <laughs> Scott Lashley. I made this prediction, I think, the day he committed to Alabama, which was, I thought it would be sooner. 
I thought he would do a year at Alabama and then end up at EMCC and then come back to Mississippi State. But I guess, you know, however you find your way home, you do. Uh, but he has he is officially enrolled at Mississippi State. I, I, I have, we, you and I heard this information a couple months ago from a, a friend of ours up north, shall we say. And I mean up north. Uh, he who, you know, might have some connections in the Point City area. <laughs> without, without saying his name, that's all I can do. Uh, that made it clear that this was probably going to happen. We actually reached out to Moorhead at the time, yeah. and he, he, you know, would neither confirm nor deny, as I recall. Yeah, uh, I actually kind of played it off like he, like we were telling him something. Yeah, and probably because at that point he was not in the portal. Right. I, I bet he knew he was eventually going to be in the portal. Right. I, I'm just putting words in Joe's mouth now, but at, at that juncture, Scott Lashley was not in the portal, so I think he was may have been playing it coy a little bit. But, but yeah, that juncture, nothing was happening. It has since happened. Yeah. So anyway, Scott Lashley, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, you're, you're adding depth to a spot where you need it. You know, I, I don't know that he could play tackle for Mississippi State, but he could certainly move it, be an interior lineman, I think. You know, I, I really do think the tackle, it's time for Charles Cross and Dollar Bill Johnson to, to take their, their spots there along Greg Island as well. But you can never have enough depth. And it, the, some people are, you know, well, you know, he, first off, the people go, like, he had his chance. Just get out. All right. Just stop talking about football if that's your opinion. You can never have enough talented guys. And yes, guys, there are guys good enough to start for Mississippi State who will not start for Alabama. I can list off the top of my head 21 of them. The entire MSU starting lineup, Sands, Kylan Hill, is not good enough probably to start at Alabama. Uh, but that doesn't mean they're not good enough to help Mississippi State a lot. You think Errol would? You don't think Errol would start Alabama over Dylan Moses? Oh, that's right. Over Absolutely Moses. not. Yeah, I'm just no chance. Yep, no chance. You're of that right. Happening. You're right. So, yeah, this, <laughs> yeah, no, this, this, you need the depth. It, he can't. It can't hurt. At the very least, you picked up a JUCO transfer with one year of eligibility, who's been coached by Nick Saban and crew for three years, four years. So you don't you didn't lose anything by bringing Scott Lashley in, and at, at best case scenario, he becomes a, a big part of your team next year. I mean, look at the the middle of that lineup right now. It could be Cole Smith and Scott Lashley, you know, finding their way home to Starkville and being a big part of a team next year, along with two five you know, four star and a five star tag. The offensive line has reason for excitement. There's a lot of quality names there. We'll see if they become quality players. We'll see. I'm not, I'm not doing Cruton song for. Uh, for Scott Lashley, though. that's okay. He had his, he did have his chance to get the Cruton song. He got the Cruton song, and then twenty five minutes yeah, later, right. I had to he take it down. <laughs> I'll never forget that we had it up, and then we had to take it down on Bulldog, on the old Bulldog Sports Radio. Like, all right, Scott Lashley commits, publish, and then like one of those SpongeBob transitions. Twenty six minutes later, delete. delete. That's how it goes. All right, tomorrow's show, we'll recap Mississippi State, South Carolina women's basketball. We'll uh, look ahead. No, we won't. That'll be a, the day before. I, you know, we'll, do, we'll preview Mississippi State, Arkansas, because Wednesday will be the rumblings. Uh, Might have some official news. We on should have some official news, I would think. It's got to start the, the plan the there, I think, is to release all the offensive guys at once. Kind of That seems to be, uh, yeah, basically. And, uh, and then defensively, we'll sort of see yeah, what happens. Yeah. See what happens. All right, guys. Great rest of the week. Weekend, and then a great Monday to you. Back with you on Tuesday. For Joel T. Coleman, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi.
Talk Mississippi Media Production.